I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures, and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. comes with a 20-year warranty. And a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Danielle Paradis, contributing editor here at Canada Land, joining us from Edmonton. Hello. Hi, Jesse Brown. Today on the show, Danny, did you hear the news? It snowed in Canada. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. Well, apparently it snowed in Toronto, and that's uh, national news. Obviously. Also today, guy walks into a synagogue, rabbi offers him a cup of tea. Guy pulls out a gun and starts ranting about how Jews run the world. I guess the guy didn't like his tea. That's not funny, but it is a joke. Danny, welcome back to Shortcuts, where we will talk shit about the news. This episode of Shortcuts is brought to everybody by Riley Millican, Laura Williams, Jessica Watson, Andrew Sutton, Eve Court, Ben Vickery, Becky Folks, and Delaney. Hi, this is Delaney. I work in sustainable finance in Toronto, and I support Canada Land because I want to listen to good podcasts that aren't American. Plus, the Canada Land reporters dig deep into the undercover stories and social issues that make Canada what it is today. Bye. 
battered by the blizzard, a winter storm moving in fast and packing a punch. When's the last time you can remember a day like this one? Toronto falling under a blizzard warning. There was just so much of it and it just fell so fast. People weren't ready for it. It was the kind of day many wished they were anywhere else but here, perhaps Barbados. This Barbados Boulevard just wasn't going to cut it for the driver of this TTC bus stuck sideways. If you didn't have a machine to help you move the snow, you probably found it a bit... Tiring. <sighs> a snow day turned into a work day for Carter Trizolo. I really wish I was in school right now. Holy shit, Danny. Stop the presses. I was mildly inconvenienced by the weather. I assume that word of this reached you in Edmonton, yes? Uh, yeah, th- thoughts and prayers from Edmonton. Um, we we all had a good day watching your raggedy city try and limp along with like what thirty centimeters of snow, and people were out pushing the fire trucks along. And uh, I read a recap of somebody nostalgically thinking back to nineteen ninety nine when they had to push cars out of the way for um, for the streetcars. Do you not have snow plows or like is the only snow plow Doug Ford and his little shovel there? Uh, apparently so, because an inordinate amount of press attention was paid to our premier with his little teaspoon and his heroic endeavors. Uh, we're going to get to that. But first, my goodness, you will know our pain in excruciating <laughs> detail. How many headlines can one city generate because it snowed? Uh, I'll read a few. TTC buses and streetcars are getting totally stuck in the snow. That's a news story. <laughs> Toronto pets wake up to a confusing world of snow and their reactions are hilarious. Well, come on, who doesn't like that? Toronto man spotted shoveling snow in shorts and a t-shirt. That's not winter clothing at all. Um, Here's the Toronto Star. Snow good deed should go unnoticed. Send us your stories of snowstorm kindness. Well, that's just a delightful pun. I really could go on for a lot longer with the the snow coverage. Please don't. (laughs) All right. I I watched a great clip where um, somebody was reporting from a parking lot gesturing at large piles of snow. Okay, here, Jesse, we've had a cold snap. The average temperature from December 15th to January 9th was minus 22. It was freezing. Yesterday, a lot of people's cars were frozen shut because we had freezing rain. So, like, I don't care about your Toronto problems. I, I can give you a few more minutes just to make space for some Toronto ridicule. <laughs> you can let it all out here. Uh, this is a safe place for it. I'm just like, what kind of Canadian city are you? You need snow tires. Mm-hmm. You need snow plows. I don't know. Your city needs to like plan for winter, which is a really common occurrence in Canada. Like, get your act together, Toronto. No, your city has to plan because you live in Edmonton. We are surprised when this happens. This shouldn't be happening. We're not like you. This is, we're supposed to be able to do city things that people in cities do. When an obstacle is placed in our way from doing that, um, we're going to complain about it and you're going to hear about it. And that's just the way it is. Uh, And you haven't even brought up the time we called in the military, which, by the way, was the right call. That was the right call. Well, it was. I mean, it, like, this is something that, this was from the 1999 snow catastrophe, right? And that's right. When Mel Lastman called him, and, you know, ambulances were not able to function, which maybe, you know, plugs into your other point about preparing for things like this. But under the circumstances, the military was needed, thus earning us an eternity of, of ridicule. Look, this is like pretty silly stuff. And, you know, As fun as it is to make fun of us, 
what's the harm? I'll tell you what the harm is. The harm is that this insatiable appetite for covering the obvious is what leaves us vulnerable to what happened with this Doug Ford story. You're an army of one today. What have you been doing? Well, just picking people up, checking on, on people, George, like everyone else is helping out. Cars are stuck all over the place, fire truck down the road here. But just making sure people are safe in their cars and uh, and any, anything I can, I can do to help them. And here's another... Uh, gentlemen right here. I'm just going to make sure oh, our car is empty. Yeah, just making sure the cars, uh, you know, people aren't uh, stranded. That, that's all. I'm so this dominated coverage were these images, which made it to you in Edmonton, Danny, of Doug Ford. It's not a toy shovel. I guess it's one of those shovels that comes in a hazard kit. And you think if you're the premier of the second biggest economy in Canada and you're facing a like once every decade type of a blizzard and your city is and your province is suffering, you might have more important things to do than to roam around Etobicoke digging with a tiny shovel and giving people lifts. But of course... Doug Ford is very canny, uh, if nothing else, to the optics of, like, retail politics, as inherited from his brother. And, you know, the Toronto Sun ate this up, unsurprisingly. Warmington, of course, Ford is a one-man army in battle against the snow. Mm -hmm. Move over, Batman, Spider-Man, and Superman. This was Ford-Man to the rescue. And everybody else ran these pictures of him with a shovel. And I think that a lot of media, you know— we kid ourselves, right, into thinking like, well, we're not promoting Doug Ford here, even though his press secretary sent us those photos, even though this is such an obvious PR attempt. I won't say staged because those people did need to be dug out, but like it still is staged if you're like, I'm going to go do this and I'm going to make sure that there's pictures of me and I'm going to give interviews about it. And that interview that we heard, he was driving, like he was breaking the law for distracted driving. I don't mean to be like, uh, you know, a snitch, like, but like to, to hear the anchor, like, oh, what a wonderful, you're a one-man army, Premier Ford. <laughs> to hand him that kind of media attention at a time when he is the most reviled, like he's been mismanaging this province. This premier is loathed right now. He needed a win like this. And I'm just embarrassed by how easily he games us with this shit, you know? Even if you present those photos in a bit of an ironic way, it still has the effect of showing him to the rescue, coming to the rescue. And, like, if you're playing a strategy game with Doug Ford and he keeps winning, you should be embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, this came on the same day that some numbers for his approval ratings came out. And he was... At 26% among those aged 18 to 34 and 38% among those aged 35 to 54. So those are dramatically low approval ratings. And yet yeah. the primary focus on the day that those numbers come out is Doug Ford and his itty-bitty little shovel. Now, I do have to admire the Fords for their savvy here. There's two things that I know about Doug Ford, you know? One, he went on American late-night TV show and talked about smoking crack. And two, he shovels out people's driveways. I think you're thinking of Rob there with the crack. Sorry, that was Rob. Yeah, Rob with the crack. So two things I know about the Ford brothers. Now, the interesting thing about this is that you can't help but think that this does make him as a premier, a little bit more likable. Um, I did a very scientific poll on Twitter yesterday asking if uh, people thought that our premier, Jason Kenney, would dig out your car for you. And <laughs> as of right now, I have 469 votes and 96% of people say no. So even though I don't think it's a good use of time, I think it probably says something about your political leader if you think they would help you 
<laughs> in a difficult situation or not. Yeah, I, I think that we, we're kind of get like late enough in the game of buffoonish politicians from Trump to Boris Johnson to Doug Ford. We can't play naive because, yes, you've got, you know, your absolute cheerleaders for Ford and, and your Joe Warmingtons and some some other parts of the press. But everybody else, I think, they share the, the Ford with a shovel image uh, somewhat ironically, kind of like, look at this goofus. Um, but they're still sharing it. And the fact that we have an ironic smirk, mm-hmm. you know, subtle is worth nothing. You know, we know by now that the buffoonish charismatic, I don't know, I don't want to call Doug Ford charismatic, but he has like a brand, he has like a persona and something about laughing at him in a certain way actually makes him stronger. And even if you feel like this is like, you know, we all know that he's doing it for the optics, but there's no question that it helps him and it casts him in a light as a savior of sorts, even if he's silly. It's a much better place to be than the guy who's just been really responsible, like blood on his hands and also just responsible for mismanaging the pandemic in every conceivable way. And I think it makes people really angry. Like, Danny, when you see the hashtag Canadian media failed, usually it's the public misunderstanding what reporters have to do, blaming reporters for reporting things that we're absolutely going to report, that we're duty-bound to report. But now and then... When people use the hashtag Canadian media failed, it's because the Canadian media failed. I think that people are watching Doug Ford like, it's like you could see it happening. You could see this guy who just like, you can't imagine a premier doing a worse job and having more of a negative impact on our lives. And you could just see him like walking back into office with the help of a compliant and gameable media. And it just, it makes a joke out of all of us. Like he's not the joke in that situation. We're the joke. And you can't help but like really hate the media for just playing into such obvious tactics. Now, when we're talking about the media, yeah, of course. Like, do you think there's some worst offenders in this situation? I kind of hold out special ire for everybody else in the knowing smirking press who feel like they are critical of Doug Ford but can't be overtly so. And yet they still fuel memes like this. They still fuel these stories and really try to brush off any responsibility they have. Look, if we want to cover endless blizzard stories, Toronto's homeless shelter system is collapsing. But that's not what the snow coverage is about. There's a little bit of news you can use, what's open, what's closed, you know, don't get in your car, please. That's important to know. And then we just move on to the light and fluffy stuff. And that's just such a opportunity for a very needy figure like Doug Ford, who's just in need of a win. Now, I think we we do have to consider the community response here, because I saw quite a few people sharing a lot of these articles that you're talking about when it comes to, like, the happy, fuzzy animals. Um, The article that I mentioned earlier was from The Line, and it was, you know, talking about a period of nostalgia, thinking of some communal activity. So, you know, we're going through a period where we're starkly aware of the fact that we're not pulling together in this pandemic. And so do you think it's possible that maybe your communal snow problem was actually a chance for people to finally feel like they're not in a zombie movie and their friend is hiding the fact that they just got bit? Uh, I hate joy and community. Uh, No, look. look, (laughs) I know you do. Danny, I don't know what to say. Like, I just... Before we wrap this segment, I just want you to know that the global supply chain interruptions are threatening to curtail the amount of steamed milk that Torontonians like me can get on our lattes. And I just want you to know, <laughs> oh Canada Land is watching the situation closely, and we will stay on this story all week if we need to. So please stay tuned to Canada Land for updates. I'm not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> 
This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool, doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer. And it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. We hear a lot about the opioid crisis. We talk a lot about the mental health crisis. These are serious problems. These problems affect us all. They've affected my life and my community. They're not intractable problems. I don't know what's going to solve them on a policy level, but day-to-day helping people, that's what CAMH does. They do it on the ground when people need help, and they do it through research. The team at CAMH gave our team a tour of their facilities, and we were really just blown away by the incredible, heroic work that they're doing every day. They treat everyone with dignity, and their research is seeking and finding real solutions for everyone around the world. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. All right, let's make some do notations of that which might otherwise go overlooked or underlooked. Do both of those words work here? I could say that these stories are both underlooked or overlooked, can't I? It's one of those things. I don't think anyone says underlooked. No, I just made that up. Danny, what do you have to duly note? Yeah, I want to um, duly note a story in Le Devoir, uh, and it talks about an organization that Emily Nicolas has talked about before on Shortcuts. Excuse the pronunciation, but it will be Sortant le radio poubelle, which is like taking out the garbage of radio. That's not a great translation, but it's as close as I can get. This is a right-wing watch organization. And a lot of these organizations actually do some heavy lifting for journalists. So it it's a really important group to have people's like spending time deep diving into right-wing organizations and, and how they act. And um, the owner now has to shut down her Facebook page. And this is due to like some legal action threatening to compel this coalition uh, to have their names revealed, which is pretty dangerous that you can often be the target of violent attacks or vandalism. Um, there was a case a few years ago of Jean-Francois Jacob, who was an Internet user, uh, who was critical of one of these right wing stations. And after he... After he spoke out about them, he lost his job. He had one of his windows smashed in by billiard balls. So it's just sad to see this collective um, having to close down. Duly noted. Danny, I would like to duly note a story that I think has its roots in uh, Chinese state media. You know, China, of course, moving for their COVID zero strategy. Omicron presents a uh, 
real problem for that. And a story started to make the rounds, which I think has its source in Chinese state media. How could Omicron get to China when they're doing such a good job of keeping COVID at zero? Well, it came in the mail. In the face of all scientific documentation to the contrary, such a thing is not possible. Um, but no, according to Beijing, the way that Omicron hit China was that somebody sent a letter from Toronto. And I just want to use this space to come clean. Yeah, look, not on purpose. You know, we send T-shirts. Or I think it's pretty cool of us to send T-shirts to China. And I sneezed. Look, I'm sorry, okay? I just want to duly note my contrition. I'm sorry, China, for sending Omicron to you in the mail. People are going to be so mad at us. Every time I come on here, people are mad at me because of our flippant tones. So I'm sorry and duly noted. Did you have one more for us? I did. Um, this one is a really sad local story. Adrian Pan, a journalist who hosted CBC's afternoon radio show Radioactive, um, died just this Saturday morning after a serious illness. We don't know what the illness is. That's not disclosed. Um, but she was only 43 years old. So Adrian was somebody who was a real local booster, especially in the time of, of like, all the issues we're having with COVID and restaurants. She was always out there supporting local business. So it's, it's a real loss to the city. I did read about that. So sad. Duly noted. So Danielle, I want to speak with you about a major story that broke over the last weekend uh, coming from the U.S., but I want to talk about Canadian coverage of that story. Mm -hmm. So listeners likely heard that there was this uh, horrible hostage situation in a synagogue in Texas. Did you catch that? I did, yeah. So this guy took a rabbi and three congregants hostage in Colleyville, Texas, during services on the Sabbath on Saturday. It was during prayer um, while we were praying, and my back was turned. Uh, we faced towards Jerusalem when we pray. Uh, it right right before uh, right before he revealed himself, but this was you know plenty of time in. Um, I heard a click. And it could have been anything. Uh, and it turned out that it was his gun. Now, thank God, the rabbi and the other hostages were unharmed, uh, traumatized, of course, but but they did walk away safely. And uh, mm -hmm. if you get into the details of, it, of, of their escape, they acted quite heroically. Uh, there was a chair that was right in front of me. Uh, and I was able to, I told the guys to go. I picked it up and I threw it at him with all the adrenaline, with, it was absolutely terrifying. And I... I wasn't sure if I was going to be shot, and I did not hear a shot fired as we made it, as I made it out the door. I was the last one out. The hostage taker was killed by law enforcement, even as the details came in. Uh, the story itself was pretty wild, but as the story was developing and before we had all of the details, the Canadian media was was relying on uh, wire service copy, right, uh, Associated Press reports. And as you know, when Canadian media pick up a wire story, they don't just like copy and paste. They have lots of discretion as to, you know, where to run it, what the headline should be, what the sub headline should be. They can edit the story. Um, so that there's, there's a certain amount of editorial discretion that goes into that. And a lot of it is just about what's the most important part of the story. What should go first? Danny, here is what the CBC chose to put right near the top of their story 
as this situation was developing. This is the subheadline. There was a headline just saying that, that there's this hostage situation. And then the subheadline in big type read, hostage taker was specifically focused on issue not directly connected to Jewish community, FBI says. Huh. It's not connected to the Jewish community. So we have a situation where there's four people taken hostage at a synagogue, and it seems like this was an attempt to reassure the Jewish community that this isn't about them. I found that a pretty astonishing subhead. Don't worry, everybody. It just just happened to be a synagogue. Just happened to be a rabbi. Uh, Really? Denny, do you know how hard it is to find a rabbi in Texas? (laughs) (laughs) I do not. (laughs) I looked into it. Uh, they have them. There are rabbis in Texas. But uh, look, the Jewish population of Texas is about 0.6% of the population of Texas. So, yeah, my people, we're pretty rare in Texas. We've been there for a while. We're, we're there, but uh, we're pretty rare. So, like, if you were just randomly taking people hostage in Colleyville, Texas, you would have to grab, on average, 200 random people before you hit a Jew, if it was just a coincidence. That, that's how many people. And that's just to find a Jew, let alone a rabbi. But if you happen to be looking for Jews in Texas, they do have some, and a good place to find them is in a synagogue. And of course, surprise, surprise, as the full details come in, yes, this is an anti-Jewish hate crime. And that specific issue that the gunman was concerned with, the one that was so disconnected from the Jewish community, according to the FBI and repeated at the top of the CBC story, that specific issue had to do with the release of a Pakistani neuroscientist who has ties to al-Qaeda, who is imprisoned in a federal prison in Texas. And that person, Afia Siddiqui, is a raving anti-Semite, a Jew hater who tried to fire her lawyers because they were Jewish, who demanded at her trial that the jurors be tested to see if they had Jewish DNA. But the connections are beyond that. Um, CNN later confirmed that according to one of the hostages, a guy named Jeffrey Cohen, the gunman, as he was holding these people hostage in a synagogue, said directly that he chose the synagogue because, quote, Jews control the world, Jews control the media, Jews control the banks, and I want to talk to the chief rabbi of the United States. So this person was unwell, but was a a raving anti-Semite, and this was an anti-Jewish hate crime. I do not know why the FBI went out of their way to say that this has, this is, we have no reason to believe. Uh, Yeah, well, just like, like maybe you don't yet have reason, uh, reason to believe, but just wait. It's probably going to go that way. I don't know why the FBI was trying to disconnect this from a hate crime, but my area of concern here is why the CBC chose that fact, like report that the FBI said that, because it's a weird thing for them to say, it's newsworthy, but why would you put that at the top of your story? And furthermore, CBC did not update that story with what the hostage said. Like, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, the details that you are mentioning about, um, the conspiracy theories that he was raving about, um, about like Jews running the world, that came from American media. Like I read that in a CNN article, not in the CBC article, which was still, it read like the initial wire. I mean, we can look at this in a few different ways. I'm curious what you think. Like maybe this is just sloppiness. We're just like using wire copy and not thinking too much about how we use it. Maybe this is what happens in the media a lot, which is like, 
an over-reliance on law enforcement talking points and quotes and just like uncritically parroting them as gospel. Our producer Tiffany points out that when there was the, the uh, series of anti-Asian killings uh, in spas in Atlanta, there was also a reluctance to state the obvious. It was blamed on the guy's sexual addiction when it was quite clear that he was targeting Asians to, to murder. But I, I, in this specific instance, I can't think of any other corollary where like if somebody goes into a mosque uh, we know that that's an anti-Islamic hate crime, you know, with a gun and it holds people hostage. When Dylan Roof went into a black church, we know that that was an anti-black. Like, but what is this reluctance? You know, and I, I hate these kinds of stories because they put me in this position of I feel like I'm being gaslit. That like I'm in this position of asserting that maybe there's some special double standard or some kind of weird reluctance to just use the word. But like we have a word for anti-Jewish hate and that word is anti-Semitism. And I feel like there was some strange reluctance. In fact, they, they protested too much. The first thing they wanted to know is that maybe this isn't anti-Semitic after all. Yeah. I mean, there are some really disturbing details in these articles that leads me to realize, like, I mean, anti-Semitism is still a huge problem the world over. Um, the rabbi, uh, he he escaped by throwing a chair at the man holding them hostage. And he credits this to security training. So I looked into just lightly um I'm aware that churches also have security training or, or security training and security guards. The CNN article that I referenced earlier mentions that the FBI and Department of Homeland Security are also warning that faith-based communities will continue to be at risk for violence. We can't ignore the particulars that are anti-Semitism when it comes to like why places are targeted and marginal populations being targeted for hate. It doesn't do us any favors. I don't know that I quite agree with you that it's only when it's Jewish communities. However, I will say there is a there's a reluctance when it's racial or faith-based communities to actually come out and call it what it is. We do get there, and I think you see more pressure put on news organizations when these stories come up now. Like you see an incredibly frustrated Muslim community trying to get the attention of media and law enforcement in Edmonton when a number of um, hijabi women were assaulted. Now, there's some great pieces digging into some nuance there that actually have to do with like tensions between the indigenous and like newcomer communities. But it's just a general state reluctance to call things hate and to point that hatred, if be it faith-based or racial. Yeah. I mean, look, these types of situations put people in targeted communities into an unfortunate position of having to guess at what the hell's going on and speculate. So, you know, Bernie Farber of the Canadian Anti-Hate Network, he was tweeting about the erasure of anti-Semitism and how we have to call this what it is. As you point out, Danny, anti-Semitic hate crimes are way up. They're still still rife. We, of course, the Tree of Life Synagogue, like we are a targeted community and there is a Canadian implication to these stories. There is a reason for Canadian Jews to know that this is connected. I mean, we know. But uh, there's heightened security at synagogues now. Like, we have, like, a very practical reason to know that this was an anti-Semitic act. I don't think that we'll ever know exactly what goes into these editorial decisions. But I do feel that in the specific situation of a place of worship, there is no ambiguity about this. There should be no reluctance to call it what it is. And I do feel like there is a bit of a special category here. And I think it has to do with the media being more skeptical about claims of anti-Semitism 
than claims of other forms of racism. And I don't think that's purely the media's fault. I think that there is this ongoing debate about, you know, there are groups that I think do conflate anti-Israel uh, sentiment and say that's anti-Semitic. And then that has a reverse effect of the media being reluctant to actually say when something is anti-Semitic. I'm not blaming this on pro-Israel groups. Like if the media failed here, and I think they did to properly classify this, I think that's on, in this case, the CBC. And it's a small thing, but it's a meaningful thing. I do feel like there is like a different category for this. Like it's, it's, like, it's almost like a joke. Uh, and that's how I got into this. It's like, does a guy have to walk into a synagogue and pull out a gun on a rabbi for the media to call it anti-Semitism? Well, apparently even that's not enough in every case. Mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose there's some nuance there that you've raised that's really important. But I also just find it shocking that the FBI, who wouldn't be playing the same sort of political and like calculus, you would assume, like why they seem to go out of their way to indicate early on that this wasn't about the Jewish community. I can't even guess why the FBI would like say something like that. It's ridiculous. On that cheery note, that is Shortcuts for this week. Danny, thank you for joining me. Yes, thanks, Jesse. We're on Twitter at CanadaLand. I can be emailed about anything you heard at jesse at CanadaLand.com and I read everything you send. Danielle Paradis, where can people find you? You can email me, Danielle, at CanadaLand.com, or you can get mad at me on Twitter at Danny Parody. Why should anyone be mad at you? This episode is produced by Tiffany Lamb, with additional production by Tristan Capicione. Our associate producer is Noor Azrieh. Welcome, Noor. Check out our website right now, by the way, because there are new episodes of Commons and Wag the Dug. Um... Awesome podcasts for you to listen to from Canada Land this week in addition to this one. Our managing editor is Kieran Oudshorn. Theme music is by So-Called. Syndication is by CFUV, 101.9 FM in Victoria. You can visit them online at cfuv.ca. Danny, if people like what we do here, we need them to support it. Please, people, uh, click on the link in the show notes. Go to canadaland.com slash join. There's so many ways. It takes just moments, and that is how this gets done with your support. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.